Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. It's in my bones that I have to at least make one. Nope. Maybe? Oh, you moved it! Yep. Nope. I like that, and I like the transparency because every once in a while you'll come across a video like that on social media that creates the impression First they try. didn't have to do it a thousand times right. to get it just right. They're I so would gifted. say just about anything, once you've worked out the basic angles and you know theoretically it happens, it's just a matter of having the patience and the willingness and the capacity on your camera to film it and film it and film it and film it and film it until it happens. Eventually, it's going to happen. So I like that that video reflected the reality of creating something like that that looks so immediate and spontaneous, and they got it on the first try. They never get it on the first try. Yeah, that, what those? I uh, know you're right, and that's the cool thing about being in a locker room is you know there's always ends up being little games or challenges just like that in the in your free time. Oh wait, you know we they let us out of meetings early today on a slow day. You know, we got an hour of like here to kill. You know, okay, I don't want to go in the hot tub and the cold tub and do all that. I feel pretty good. You know, and that's where games do go down or get invented in an NFL locker room. So it is pretty cool. It really is. It, those are the things I miss about an NFL rock locker room, that camaraderie and the, that stupid stuff, really. Well, and that's what the Buffalo Bills have to do because I think it was when Sean McDermott became the head coach, they used to have a pool table in there. Pool table gone. Remember that they auctioned off the pool table. Got to be careful I what you got. But but as as that video just proves, right? Even if you don't have video games, pool table, ping pong, whatever, 
they're going to find something to do. Yes. They have idle time. Yes, they do. But at least there they had to organize it and get it together and like, okay, it was real free time there where my experience in a nice facility, one buck place, right? The new, the Tampa facility, we moved in from the crap hole. That was the old one buck place on a, that was right next to the tarmac of the airport and swamp ass central. Oh, swamp ass central. I mean, literally so gross and dirty that like rats couldn't make it across the locker room floor. Like you'd come (laughs) in in the morning and be like, he couldn't make it across. It's so gross in here. He ate something and died. I had a fungus on my foot that I had to see three doctors for, and they were like, I don't know what it is. And I had to put this purple dye on my foot for like a month. It was was horrible. I mean, I got made fun of, jokes, everything. But we move into the new facility, and this is where the game room became a problem. It was cool at first. Gruden liked it at first. It was camaraderie and fun. But then then you realize, wait. Wait, it's 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 five minutes before practice, and the whole team is in there playing video games and ping pong, and <laughs> everybody's in there. And that's when it became okay, crap. We got to start having guidelines or taking this out, and that's where it can cross the line in a facility. And you know that makes sense, and it does come down to the responsibility of the players, the veteran leadership, and the balance of temptation. Like you said, when you've got clear free time. You actually put the time into constructing your own fun and games, and yes. it's not there as a magnet right. when you walk That's the door. The hey, difference. let's get in a quick game of pool before we, we go to exactly. practice. Or exactly. you're thinking about going back and playing pinball or yeah, video Yeah, let's not do extra reps after practice because I want to – Exactly. I want to go play him in one more game of Pac-Man or whatever, and exactly right. That, that's what exactly happened. And eventually it became off-limit certain hours, and then certain games were taken out. You know, because they we it, it was such a nice facility. They had the big like sit down in the car race car game, right? Where there was like four or maybe six in a row, and you can race against each other. And it just it became well, let's go in there, let's gamble, let's who's gonna win this race, and it, be, it just got out of hand. So that's where you're, you you explained it the right way. It was a little too accessible for sure. It reminds me of when Bill Parcells became the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys some 20 years ago. First order of business was to turn the air conditioning way, way (laughs) up in the player lounge to make it incredibly cold so no one wanted to go in there, and it worked. Yeah, the player lounge or the, the training room. That's an old Bill Parcells, New England. It's the same type of thing. I can remember going into my dad's training room, maybe on an off day on Tuesday where he might have gone back to the facility later in the day to do something, and I'd go in, I'd have to wear my winter jacket, you know, and so would the trainers, and they'd, they'd have, because Bill Parcells didn't want you to get warm and cozy, and oh, you got a sprained ankle, and I might take an extra week or two in here getting this rehab, so yeah, that is definitely one of the uh, all-time great moves by Bill Parcells. And, uh, you know, uh, the results speak for themselves. Yeah, they're you pretty good. And, and, this, and, and it's a reality. You're talking about, because we don't think of it this way, the football players, they're so big and they're so strong and they're so fast and they're world-class athletes. They're still young guys. No doubt. And they're subject to the same human temptations that young guys right. are. And right. when I was that age, I would have I loved to work in a place where I could completely distract myself with 
playing pool and ping pong and video games and a six man sit in it and drive. It's yeah, I would completely lose focus. Yeah. Exactly. I, I'd, I'd be fired in less than a week. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, you, you are. It's young guys. They follow the temptations. Not to say, you, you know, you said it right. Football players have all those qualities. Doesn't mean sometimes they can't be a little lazy or a little like, oh, gosh, we got to go out there again today. Or, oh, man, I'm going to stay in here and, and, you know, this ain't that bad. I'm getting paid. Uh, uh, I'm going to wait till my ankle's totally 100%. You know, that's where the air-conditioned room came in handy to go, well, no, you're 93%. You can play still. You can get out there and play. You might not be your best, but you can play. And that, that expedited the process for sure. And it's always better to stay in a comfortable room, playing pool, ping pong, video games, whatever, when you consider that sometimes when you walk out on to the practice field, you might get hit over the head with a helmet. That leads to <laughs> what a topic number one for today. Well, it's, it's not inaccurate. By the way, the show's PFT Live on Peacock Series XM85. Hello to our good friends in the UK and Ireland enjoying the program on Sky Sports and everyone listening to the podcast whenever wherever, however you may be. We're one week away from the start of the season, too. You're not going to see Josh Allen playing ping-pong ball games a week from tonight. You're going to see Josh Allen getting chased around by the guy we're about to talk to. or not ta- I wish we were talking to him. We're talking about him. I don't think we're going to be talking to him. I don't think he's going to be talking to anybody between now and next week. Aaron Donald, the Rams defensive tackle, who one week ago today was in a Miles Garrett-type fracas on the practice field with the Bengals, which resulted in Aaron Donald having not... Oh, my God, that's just so... Yeah, he comes out of there with two helmets, swinging them like Braveheart. The one contact that we saw was stunning. Now, obviously, it didn't hit someone who didn't have a helmet on, but we know at least two Bengals players didn't have helmets on because Aaron Donald had the helmets. Yeah. Aaron Donald did a media tour yesterday. And the, it, the first snippet that I saw from it came from Rob Motti, the Associated Press. Aaron Donald was asked about the helmet thing. My understanding is he didn't want to talk about it at all, but responsible journalists can't sit and talk to this guy and not ask the question. Right. Because you know how the media tours go. We do it all the time. We've had Aaron Donald on the program at the Super Bowl. You show up, it's a quid pro quo. You give the guy a chance at some point to talk about whatever he's selling, and he submits to an interview. Sometimes they try to put limits on what we can ask, and I don't like that. There was one not that long ago that I just told Matt Casey, just cancel the damn thing. Just cancel it. It's one clear area that this guy needs to be talking about, and if he's going to try to not talk about it, we're just not doing the interview, period. Yeah. Other times what you do is you push back and say, I have to ask the question. And I think Rob Motti may have had to do that with Aaron Donald to get him to even talk about it all. I mean, how, how, I I don't want to piss Aaron Donald off any more than we already have. And we'll get to the quote that we had on the screen, but how arrogant do you have to be to think you can just show up at a paid media tour where you're being compensated? I don't know how much, but to be there and, eventually sell some product and think that you're not going to have to ask answer questions about what was the biggest story in the NFL a week ago and you have never talked about it? 
How can you expect that you're not going to be asked those questions, Chris? I, I, I hear you, Mike. I mean, you're right. I'm sure it was significant money to, to move the needle for a guy like Aaron Donald, who's made you know big-time significant money throughout his career. Uh, so, yes, I, I never understood that. You know, I, I don't. Even as an ex-player, I always thought, okay, I'm going to get asked the toughest questions here. And you just got to kind of take it just like you do in the football world. Take it on the chin, straight on. Here we go. Got to deal with it. That's the way it is. But, you know, again, it's uh, the reality is he's being told by people not to do it. You know, the team doesn't want it to be a distraction. He knows it's not a good look for him personally. So he's trying to avoid it. And that's where, you know, human interests and everything else kind of get involved. So I'm not mad either way. I do wish Aaron Donald would just confront it and, and kind of just own it. Because, again, Aaron Donald is a good guy. We know that. And you could talk to anybody and tell you he's a good guy. What he did was wrong, but what he did somehow is not against the rules in the NFL right now. It's kind of an unwritten rule of football. You don't do that. But it's happened lots. I've seen it happen on the practice field, too. And so he's trying to avoid that. And at, at the base level, too, Mike, you know how it is. Good guy, good guy, good guy. Get him between the lines chippy as hell guy and now it's a rough day at practice and somebody's being a little chippy back with them yeah you know the the proverbial crap can hit the fan right there and that's what happened it snapped and in a time where you know tensions bodies are tired it's the end of training camp everything like that so it's horrible it's a bad look the nfl's got to make a new rule but you know, I, I, I understand Aaron Donald and the Rams trying to avoid it. I do. I'm not mad at them for that. It's just not the approach I would take as a player. I know that. And it dawned on me yesterday, because obviously the NFL can't just unilaterally implement a new rule saying we are, after years of not exercising any jurisdiction over what happens at joint practices or individual team practices, that's on the team to discipline the players, we're now going to do it. You can't just do it without the agreement of the NFL Players Association, which has a federal legal duty to protect the interests of its players. Yeah. But in a case like this, if you're the union, you got one member of the rank and file who pays his dues, who is potentially in trouble with the league. But the whole reason it's a problem is you got another member of the union yeah. who pays his dues, who's getting whacked over the head with a helmet. Yeah, right. They're in a tough spot. If you're the union, I, it's not even a tough spot. If I'm going to balance these, I'm protecting the safety, the health, the well-being of the guy who gets whacked over the head with the helmet. And if that means that the guy who does the whacking ends up getting suspended by the league, good. That's what should happen because I got to protect the guys who got hit over the head with a helmet. So it should be an easy fix for the NFL and the NFLPA. The problem is, and the NFL is far more guilty of this than the union, whenever there's an issue like this that comes up, even if there's a mutual interest in working it out, you know, the NFL, well, what are you going to do for us? What are you going to give us? Well, it's in our mutual interest to change this rule we don't have to change this rule this is a collective bargaining you want to change it we're fine with it that game gets played all the time yeah i know and the the union could play that game back with the nfl and want some other concession 
to do what's right for everyone and what needs to be done. And that dawned on me yesterday. This this needs to be done. It shouldn't be something that the sides haggle over. It's a mutual win-win, avoiding what would be an ultimate lose-lose if and when somebody blows a gasket, gets a helmet in his hand, hits someone over the head with it, fractures his skull, gives him a traumatic brain injury, or potentially theoretically kills him. Yeah, no. I think it would make sense to intervene before then. I I, I think so. I mean, I know that. That's what we said last week. Yeah, they got to figure something out. You know, they, they definitely. It's not good for either side, as you as you laid out perfectly. It's not a good look for the NFL. That all over social media, kids like my son, 12 years old, watching that, who's playing football right now. I mean, we've already seen, you know, dumb Will Smith out there slapping somebody on the Oscars has led to what? Dumb other six people going up on stage, steal, st- uh, stabbing people, slapping people, doing whatever. So the world is impressionable right now with social media. So I, I can't imagine the NFL wouldn't want to fix this. The NFL PA want to fix this. Only thing I was saying, Mike, is where they were the tough spot. Like you can't do anything to Aaron Donald now, right? I mean, there's no, no, yeah, there's no, there's no rule in place to do that. So hey, he got lucky, and hopefully they call this the Aaron Donald rule or something like that. But he is hardly from the first guy in the history of the NFL to swing a helmet at another guy. In a practice setting, uh, you know, like I've, I've experienced, I told a story about this on, on uh, my podcast, actually, the week before all this happened, uh, oddly enough, just the craziest training camp fight I ever saw. And that was, that was one of them. We had a guy down in Tennessee, Dave Stewart. We called him big country. He was a big, nasty right tackle. We had an awesome defensive tackle, Tony Brown, who played next to Albert Hainsworth and they got into it. He ripped off Tony Brown's helmet and he's used his own helmet to swing it back and try to hit him in the head without the helmet on. So you're right. I mean, that a disaster averted, you know, and we got done and Tony Brown looked at everybody and just said, we're just going to act like that was a normal fight. He, he tried to <laughs> swing and hit me with a helmet when I had nothing on, you know, and we all kind of like laughed like, yeah, that was crazy. Uh, but yeah, this isn't the first time. And the NFL has been lucky to dodge these bullets. I think before they got to do something about this. So back to where we were before I pulled us off track. Speaking to Rob Motti on the media tour that Aaron Donald conducted yesterday, he downplayed the helmet swinging fiasco by saying it was just a practice. It was football. I don't really want to go back to nothing negative that happened and talk about something that happened in practice. My main focus is Buffalo. The last line makes it clear that he will indeed be playing against the Bills as if the Rams were going to do anything other than gently ask him to never do it again, please. But if you choose to do so, we'll still have your back, Aaron, because you're kind of the most important guy on the team. But this whole idea is it was that that's the best they could come up with. I think they knew that there was no way they were going to avoid being asked questions about it. So they came up with the talking points. It was just practice. It's football. Well, it's not football. It's beyond the boundaries of what should ever happen on a practice field or a football field. But that was his way of checking the box and turning the page. And he ultimately said nothing. He yeah, said nothing. Right. That's just his – that's his – printed on a card response to when he's asked that question. Yeah, it, it was. And th- this is where I- I'm going to be interested to see where it goes with these joint practices, you know, throughout the NFL. There's always fights. We know that. It's not a matter of, like, if or, you know, who. It's just when. When is the fight going to be? There's some teams that I'd go, I would never practice against that team. I guarantee there's going to be a brawl. The Rams would be one of them. 
And I, I'm not mad at that. I'm not accusing anybody. They're a chippy football team. It's why they're good. You know, they, they push it to the limit every day in practice, on the field, all of that. But I'll be interested just because I felt like this year there was more fights than normal. I did. And we did have injuries and issues. And this was not a common thing back in the day. Not in my day. You know, in my father's day, yeah, it was maybe once every few years if the owner of a team had a relationship with another owner of the team, the Giants, you know, used to practice against the Cleveland Browns a little bit in the mid-80s in training camp, right? Because there was, a, I guess, a relationship between the Mara family and, and uh, Art Modell at the time. So that went on. But I got to think that the NFL has got to, to your point here, NFLPA, just have more of a, a governing body over these practices. Hey, this is a joint practice. Okay. People are in the stands watching. There's going to be extra cameras when they're there. This is protecting the shield. I don't understand how everything in the freaking world is protecting the shield except when two teams get on a practice field. It makes no sense to me, and that's where it's got to get changed for just the better of the game. I was saying this yesterday. The personal conduct policy applies anywhere and everywhere that a player may be except on a football field during a joint practice. Right. Anywhere else, anywhere else hilarious. you're in trouble. There, you have immunity. Have at it because only your team is going to have any jurisdiction over you. And the better you are as a player, the less likely the team is going to do anything about it. We talked about this last Friday when you were swinging in your hammock, sipping a pina colada, and as of last Friday, lighting one up. You know it. I, I, I think that the coaches may be conflicted. And I was talking to some people last night about the concept of training camp fights and Somebody pointed out in the old days of hard knocks, you would have clips of guys fighting and the coach would be saying, let them keep going. Yeah, right. I mean, there's a certain now the, the health and safety issues make that <laughs> frowned upon in this current climate. But, Chris, the point I made last Friday was there's a balance for the coach because you want to keep people safe. But on the other hand. Yeah, you like it a little. You kind of like the fire. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, you got Aaron Donald, who was a guy that's already thinking about retirement. You know what they say. If you're already thinking about retirement, you're already retired. Here he is swinging helmets in a joint practice against the team we beat in the Super Bowl last year. My guy's ready to go yeah. for 2022. I, I no longer have to worry about Aaron Donald's overall commitment and and excitement and fire and passion for the game. It's there. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that, and you're you're right. But to your to what to your story you're telling there too, and those hard knocks ones, it's it's team versus team, right? Where it might be okay, damn yeah, it's day fifteen, and we've done double sessions twelve of those fifteen days, and okay, well you know they know each other, it's a little chippy, blah blah blah. But we've gotten into just full blown melees now, where it's going into the crowd and hurting a woman in New England who's watching practice. You know, it's guys are getting trampled during these, getting stuck here or there. Guys who are getting hurt on the field, and then the melee breaks out on top of them. You know, let alone what we just saw on that video with Aaron Donald. So that's where the, the danger is. And then, you know, the, the access to the, all the social media and the phones, it's just in your face immediately. So, yeah, I, I do. And, and if I was a – man, if I was a head coach of a football team, as much as I love joint practices and thought they were a great thing – I, I maybe would think twice about it. I'd, I'd have to be really comfortable with the other coach and the other team to feel like, okay, let's pull it off. 
uh, because it, it just seems like now it's just gotten worse here the last few years, and we see it almost daily, you know, the last few weeks of training camp. Well, and, uh, you know, last week, Zach Taylor, the Bengals coach, he, he was very muted and subdued about it. He should have been pissed off, but he agreed to do it. And he's friends he, with he's McVay. Not, he's not going to call out the guy who helped him get the job. That exactly he now has. right. Exactly. That that's it too. You're right. He agreed to do it. He knew what he was getting in. You know, and get in store for. And he knows right. Aaron Donald. He knows Aaron Donald. He was there. Right. right. Yeah. And then you know. Then yes, you're right. He's friends with Sean McVay. He worked for Sean McVay, so he didn't throw them under the bus. But. I guarantee he went back in the office and said, that's some BS. And we're lucky that somebody, one of our guys didn't get hurt. And that's got to change. And to that point, I do think we need to make that clear too. Like as, as chippy as the Rams are that I, I have a hard time that thinking that Les Snead and Sean McVay and company didn't address this. Not that they took them in there and, you know, slapped them over the wrist with a ruler. But I would bet you they had a real serious talk about this. Like, this ain't a good look for us, for you. It's bad for the sport. And you're, we're all lucky that you, you didn't connect with somebody not wearing a helmet, like you said, and they're in concussion protocol for the rest of their life with Aaron Donald and something like that. Or in a hospital for two weeks or, you know, whatever. Permanent skull damage. And uh, hopefully that had hit home with them. Because I, I do think McVeigh and Les Need are good guys and, and wouldn't want that. And remember, there was still that opportunity for the NFL if it so decided to punish the Rams for failing to exercise proper control over its players at this joint practice. If they've done it, they've done it extremely quietly and discreetly, and that's not the way to handle it either. I think they need to send a message to everyone because yeah, that, would be, that would be a step toward keeping this from happening, and that is something the league can do. They can whack the Rams for not properly ensuring that Aaron Donald didn't whack anybody over the head with a helmet. One last point about this media tour yesterday, and this is astounding to me. Zach Gelb of CBS Sports Radio sent me the clip last night. I don't think we have the clip available, but you can find it at PFT. Gelb was asking Donald basic, simple questions about the helmet incident. Asked a couple, fairly innocuous. And I think the third question was, are you surprised you didn't get suspended? And during the interview, now it wasn't live, but all of these are live to tape. Yeah. When you set up one of these things, they've got a schedule where every 10 minutes another person is on the clock and asks the questions and they get a little, you know, thing that they use in their show whenever their show may be. Rarely are these things lined up in a way that they're live. It happens. This was being taped. But still, you treat it like it's live. Well... One of the PR people involved in this media tour for Aaron Donald actually interrupted, interrupted the questioning to say, Aaron Donald is here to talk about whatever product was paying him the the money to, to be there. And, 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 and you only have two minutes left. So please pivot to your final question about the product that is paying Aaron Donald to be here today. It was astounding. I mean, that is an absolute... Do not do that. And I didn't get the impression Zach was as livid about it as he should have been. I think he was just appreciative of the fact that, hey, I got all this on tape and people are going to see this and they're going to say, I can't believe this happened. Yeah. But that just shows you the extent to which they were trying to go to protect Aaron Donald from having to talk about it. And that's what pisses me off more than anything, because I hey, look, we both think Aaron Donald should have been the Super Bowl MVP. We both think Aaron Donald is one hell of a player. We've met him. 
I like him. But Love that doesn't him. mean that we're gonna we're gonna shut our mouths and look the other way when he does something that cries out for accountability. Yeah. And he gets none. He knows from the that. league from his team yeah. or 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 gets a pass on getting asked any tough questions because he's got a PR person who's gonna swoop in and tell the interviewer, move along. I, I I'm astounded by this. And when's he gonna meet with the media? Well, he hasn't that's met with problem. the media in the last week. Yeah. Well, well, and what are the what are the reporters who cover the team gonna say? See, this is where you gotta you got to tread lightly because if you piss off the team, then they freeze you out. That's part of the game that gets played now. So when's he going to be asked really tough questions about it? I don't know. I Probably think he's going to avoid it. Probably not. You're right. Now, you know, Aaron Donald, I, he, he's a good enough guy, and I've been around him enough to know he can handle us saying, hey, you shouldn't do that. And like I said, I, I have a hard time thinking Raheem Morris, defensive coordinator, Sean McVay, these are guys I know that you know they're, they're not going to be cool with that. I'm sure they said something real to him there. So that, but I do think like, you know, your point about, you know, at, at some point when it's that big of a story or whatever, you know, again, that's where I, you know, me personally, and I think a lot of teams maybe blow this at times to a degree is just confront it, confront it, take it head on. And you end the story, you end it, you know, if you just, Hey, two days after it happened, you come out and, hey, I'm Aaron Donald, and I'd like to address something that happened in practice the other day that I'm ashamed about, and I just I shouldn't have done. It wasn't a good look. you know. I don't know. Uh, it, it, my emotions ran high. I'm tired in training camp. I felt like a guy cheap-shotted me, and you know, really, I'm really sorry for it. I know there's no excuse. I know it's still horrible that I did it, but uh, I just wanted to come up here and make that comment and take a few questions and do it. And then when you do a media tour like this, or have press conferences, it's over. It's over because it's out there. It's everywhere. And we know when you do that type of press conference and address it and take questions, then when he is on a show like ours a week later, the producer goes, well, he's answered all those questions. Let's not go back and ask that. The, the, the actual people who are trying to get media coverage will drop it because they're just going to go, it's an old story now. He, it's, there's nowhere to go with it. He's, he said everything. Let's not annoy him and make him go back to it. And that's, to me, sometimes where teams and players just drop the ball a little bit. And I know it's easier said than done. But it puts us in a posture where there's no new ground to cover. The ground exactly. has been covered. It's done. There's exactly. nothing else to ask. Right. As it stands, there's everything We're still to talking ask. About and we, we do have the clip from last night's CBS Sports Radio interview of Aaron Donald. It's worth your time and uh, give it a listen. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. All right, um... Let's move on then. But but I, I I I had one more thought that was going to be really really good relative to the usual shit that I say, and I can't remember. Oh man, you just yeah. What's going on? He's smoking too much weed lately. What's going on? In Stop. two months, no, it's, it's aging. Maybe I I need to. Yeah, it might you know, stimulate you know, some stuff. I'll just say this. Right. I'll just say this. It is available in West Virginia now. Great for medicinal purposes. Great. And Crohn's disease, yeah, is one of the covered oh. conditions 
which I happen to have. No doubt. Boom. Sounds and, good to me. And and the other night, Monday night, when I got home from a, a fairly stressful experience in Manhattan, I was I was feeling I know when it's bothering me and I was feeling there's a point where you're I don't want to get graphic. But yeah, please don't where you're your 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 large intestine you felt you know, uncomfortable are, thank you there's a corner there yeah. and let me tell you that's where that's where it feels like i have an ice pick stuck oh. right in that spot where there's a corner that's where that stuff and, will help you and and uh, i'm thinking you know what maybe yeah. maybe for occasions like that yeah. induced by external stress right maybe for occasions like that I should uh, take a page from the Chris Sims playbook. That's right. Smoke them if you got them, big guy. Let's go. Let's go. Move up on the world. That, you definitely would settle that down for sure. Yes. So you, although, although I will say this, a normal cigar filled with tobacco, not another leafy substance, did the trick. Okay. It did It did alleviate the symptoms wow that's on good Monday night. all right fine that's good i guess i guess okay fine and hopefully hopefully saying that won't disqualify me from the card that i may be trying to obtain here in the not too distant future but <laughs> i figure if that works then the other stuff's really oh work. yeah the other stuff will really work for sure the, the other stuff's like magic in that department so yeah guarantee it's a guarantee fix your problem or i could take a shot of ayahuasca like aaron Rodgers. <laughs> here he is talking about where he currently stands as it relates to his comfort level with his young receivers, because it was just a couple of weeks ago that he decided to go public with his complaints about where they were from a a maturity standpoint. Where are they now, Aaron? Here's what he had to say. About what it was a few weeks ago, you know, I think today is there's evidence of uh, immaturity at times. When you're in these live situations where we're moving the football and there's rapid-fire plays and the play clock is on and there's uh, live reactions and adjustments in real time. And because of that, you know, we're, we're going to have to be patient with 87 and 9. Um, but I tell you what, ever since the Saints practice, the first one, Sammy has been a different player. And he's been super reliable, and every practice made a bunch of plays. Today he had a bunch of plays again. I thought Kabi, in the last eight days or so, has practiced really, really well. And he had another good practice today, and he caught a touchdown in the, to end a two-minute drive for us on a deep corner route. So I'm really happy with those two guys, especially. And look, he took the issue public initially, so don't be surprised if he's asked publicly about it and he gave an answer and he's trying to coax these guys along. Yeah, that's right. I still I still believe if he'd been there for the offseason program, they would have been a little less freaked out. You and I agree on that. Right. When it was time for training camp to get started, they would have worked out some of that stuff. They would have gotten maybe to a level of comfort, not complete comfort, but less discomfort than they would have had in training camp trying to impress Aaron Rodgers. And here we are, week and a half away from the start of the season. Was it 38-3 to last year in Jacksonville when the Saints so. kicked the crap out of them? Right. Now, two years ago, they opened the season by going to Minnesota and splattering the Vikings, but that was in a fan-free environment Yes. with a couple of rookie corners starting for the Vikings. It'll be different this year when the Packers go back to Minnesota to start the season. Be a little bit louder and a little bit more hostile than it was, and you're going to have some unproven players out there who are expected to step up 
in their NFL regular season debuts, and Aaron Rodgers applying a little more, a little more public heat as he tries to nudge this process forward. Yeah, he's going to keep the pressure on. I'm sure. I don't think this will be the last time we'll hear him address it. He just he's trying to get them ready for prime time, and prime time's not right now. Prime time's middle of the season, last half of the season, playoffs. That's where he's got. He knows it's there's time here. He's going to lean on. Randall Cobb and Sammy Watkins, I think, early on, you know, and then, you know, you make the point, yeah, it's going to be a tough environment, especially for young receivers. There's no questions, let alone it's new defensive scheme, first-time defensive coordinator, you know, out there in, 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 in Minnesota. Who, what are we going to get? We don't know exactly how he's going to play. So I would think we see a heavy dose of Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb. And right now, Rodgers would – Rather than deal with talent and explosiveness, he just wants to make sure, hey, I know where you are, you're in the right spot, and if I'm blinded by the pass rush or whatever, as long as you're in the right spot, it doesn't matter. I'll throw an Aaron Rodgers laser and we'll, I'll still hit it as long as you're there. That's what he's relying on. My thing is that I just want to say with all of that, and that's great and you need that, they're going to need those rookies at some point. They're going to need them big time. We know one through injury maybe, but – Two, I think they're going to need them because same thing we talked about last year with the Packers. They need guys that can make plays. It can't be always Aaron Rodgers' 11-play drive. You know, he was 7-for-7 and picked the defense apart. They they need a guy every now and then that can catch a slant route and run for 70 yards and a touchdown. They don't have that. Not even Devontae Adams was really that. He might have caught a lot of 20- and 30-yard passes, and then, hey, we ran this route a lot during the game. Now let's fake that route and go deep. You know, He's that kind of guy, and that's, that's fine. But at some point, they're going to need these guys to show up, and I, hopefully he's just you know, working them along, being patient, but I think he's going to rely on these veteran guys who you know, know where they're supposed to be more than not uh, early on in the year. I was just looking at the Packers' schedule. Yeah. There's a lot of W's. On that schedule. No doubt. They do have a favorable. on the NFC North later in the program. Right. And, and look, NFC East and AFC East are the divisions that every team in the NFC North play this year. And even though the Packers finish first place, so they pick up games like the Rams and the Titans and, and yeah, the uh, Titans know, other first place finishers. game, right? Right, right. The, the, you look look at that, and it, it, it gets a little soft there. Uh, week five, six, seven before a Sunday night football meeting with the Bills in Buffalo. But there's there's some W's floating around. You're they got right. an NBC game week two against the Bears. That should be a win given where the Bears are right now. So uh, they, 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 you know, it's easy to think that they're going to take a step back, but. I, yeah, I the schedule, schedule is when I see another double-digit win season easily. Yeah, I, I think it's double digits too. I, I do for sure. And you look at that schedule again. I think you look at just those first four weeks. Well, we go. There's no doubt they're going to be the better team on the field the first two weeks of the year. We know, hey, it's football and things happen, and we'll see how it goes. But just as we sit here, nobody's going to disagree that the Packers aren't better than the Vikings. Packers aren't better than the Chicago Bears. Hey, then it's the Bucks week three. And then the Patriots in week four, and they got them at home, and I don't know if the Patriots will be the same. But if they can get through that stretch three and one, to your point, then you look at it again, and you go, well, the next three games, they're definitely the better team on the field again. The Giants, the Jets, you know, the Commanders, 
Yeah, so they, there's a very real possibility, to your point, they, be, they could be going Buffalo, NBC, week eight, and they're six and one going into town there, and we'll see where it goes. But, yeah, this is a, it is favorable for them this year. There's no question. It jumped out to me, Mike, when I was evaluating it. I think it'll be five and two. You five. know why. Oh, because I oh. – <laughs> <laughs> Here's Aaron Rodgers addressing what has been – for a long time now, one of his primary sticking points about the organization that the front office has told him stick to his own backyard. You just play here. You're not involved in roster decisions. Aaron Rodgers aired grievances about that during a press conference last July. He was asked yesterday about his conversations with Brian Gutekunst, the GM of the team, as it relates to the roster decisions that had to be made this week and that are really made on a continuous basis. Here's what Rodgers had to say. Uh, you know, a couple years ago, I said I wanted to have a continuous conversation. You know, I wanted it to be not, hey, we're going to talk on this day and then we're going to talk in three weeks. And I think that's the, the evolution of our friendship and our working relationship is it has been a constant line of communication throughout training camp. And there's been a couple, you know, sit downs where we talked a little more in depth. But, uh, you know, I respect him and his vision for the football team. And the beauty in it is that it's, it's a hierarchy, as it should be. You know, I, I can give my opinion about certain players and the chemistry factor and character. But at the end of the day, he's going to make the final decision. And I respect that. And I respect the guys he put on the team. I think there's a lot of potential. I think, obviously, there's some guys at the bottom of the roster who um, need to not coast this year and, and look at this as a, as a redshirt year. And there's guys on the P-Squad who are active, uh, active NFL football players who can, who can and maybe should be on the 53. And should stay ready when their when their opportunity comes. But I have a lot of respect for Brian and the job that he does, and, and respect for keeping me in the conversation. See, it, it it is funny how all the time he's been there since 2005, and they were never able to quite figure out how to deal with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I know. And all it took. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Through that long of a period of time, somebody who you know may be a little bit difficult to deal with. They never bothered to try to figure out how to properly deal with him. All he wanted was a voice. He doesn't want to make the decisions. He doesn't want his opinion to become the thing that the Packers defer to. He just wanted a voice. He wanted to be heard. And we've seen it. We've talked about it in the past. He's very easily placated. OBJ, we like to have OBJ. Well, you know, we tried. We We really didn't try. But as long as this guy thinks we tried, we're fine. I mean, it's very easy to maneuver around Aaron Rodgers he was just pissed off that anytime he would try to have a voice they told him sit down and shut up that's all they had to do all that time was just listen to him they can ignore ultimately what he says he just wanted to have the opportunity to vent about what he thought should be done and he didn't care whether or not they actually did it yeah I yeah it's uh, they were a little in my opinion stuck in the past stuck in the old age there with this conversation you're living in the past living in the past man come on man I mean definitely Uh, yes and and you know right rightly so I mean you know it used to be the coach and the owner were the most powerful guy like we've talked about this before but the quarterback is surplant, sur, you know, he's surpassed the head coach in a lot of organizations where it's, oh, no, if the owner talks to the, the quarterback, he might, you know, get the coach's ass fired. See you later. It's become a quarterback league. It's obsessive. It's gone overboard, in my opinion. 
And the old days, it wasn't like that. You know, every now and then you might hear, hey, what do you think, quarterback in 1988, John Elway? Did you like this receiver or that receiver? We're, gonna, we're thinking about it. Give me a thought. But that's like as far as it went. You know, Green Bay, Brett Favre, I don't think he was like that. So, you know, he, I think he was just like, oh, just, you know, hey, hey I'm from Mississippi. Just throw out anybody out there, and I'm just going to throw – I'm going to throw bombs and lasers, and I don't really give a damn. You know, I, I just think that's the way Brett Favre was wired. This guy's a little different. And – Guys like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, who he knows of, they've ha- they got these conversations with their coaches. Listen, we know Bill Belichick was the man, but you're crazy to think if Tom Brady didn't get to have conversations about players with that he liked or didn't like on the offensive side of the ball with Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick. Tony Dungy, we know whether he wanted to have the conversations or not, Peyton Manning was going to have them with him. That's the way it was. So that's all he wanted. And again, like you said, it's not that he's saying, like, this is what I want done. He just wants to give his two sides of what he sees on the field through his great experience and his great eye for what he knows certain talents are. So that's, I'm cool with that. And it's cool that they're listening and it's good that they're in a better spot. It's better for the whole organization. By the way, you had no idea what reference I was making when I said you're living in the past, man. That you was, had no idea. Isn't that, um, you know, the dude, man? I'm the dude, man. No, no what is no, it? No, no. It's from Seinfeld. When John Favreau, very early in his career, was playing Eric the Clown, the entertainment at a birthday <laughs> party, and George is asking him, whatever happened to Bozo the Clown? Why is your name Eric, not Bozo? And he says to him, you're living in the past, man. You're hung up on some clown. From oh, the I was. Man. I have no idea That's that. Okay. You're right. I, and then, I do remember And then there's that. a fire. And then there's a fire. And George throws the idea of women and children first out the window. He actually knocks down <laughs> yes, it a, ran out. an yes, elderly lady with a walker. Right. <laughs> That's he, a great one. <laughs> as he gets out before everyone else. All right, uh, Mac Jones, the quarterback of the New England Patriots. Interesting comment about the progress of the offense, which implies that there was progress that needed to be made. Here's Mac Jones from yesterday. Yeah, it's been good, I think. A lot of learning experiences, and that's always um, room for growth. So I think it's been good. I think we've ironed out a lot of things, and it's good that they're happening now. And I feel confident in what we're doing. Um, we just got to go out there and do it for 60 minutes, and um, that's just play-by-play. Play. And, and obviously during practice, same thing, play-by-play. Play. Go out there and execute it. And um, once you turn on the game film and you look back and there's you know, 45, 50 good plays, and you know, hopefully you come out on top. But... It's more about executing it and, and doing your job individually, and we all do that. 11 guys do it close to right every play, and you'll have a good play. What do they do to those guys? You work there. What do they do to make them so flat and expressionless and lacking in any human emotion, charisma, personality, anything. It's all just very, and maybe it's just that's how the coach is and they're emulating the personality of the guy they hear from all the time. Well, a, a little of that, you know, it, it is. Yeah, the, you know, the team usually, you know, shows the personality of the coach, right? I mean, that, that is part of it. Like we were just talking about the Rams, Sean McVay, full of energy, chippy. Yeah, his team's that way too. Right. Yeah. So there is that. I know. I, I literally I was literally sitting there going, when are we going to see this guy's real personality? I, I was even I didn't even care about the quote and everything he said. I already I've already seen that. So I was just like, when when are we going to see it? Because anybody you talk to that knows the guy says his personality is unbelievable. And he's a great, 
jokester and can talk crap and everything like that. But it is a little bit about, hey, that, that environment up there is get in the building, do work, shut up, do your work. That's it. Don't do your job. All right. We got, oh, wait, we got done with this part of practice. It's the next part of practice. Let's go get in the meeting room. I mean, yeah, that's the way it is. I was, I mean, I, it, it's, it's, it's different than any other place. They don't want, you know, a lot of crazy banter in the hallways or anything like that. It's about business there in New England. And Bill then makes it clear to the team, too, that he doesn't want headlines and he doesn't want you giving, you know, if a guy is talking too much, he call him out in the meeting and go, you know, who the hell made you, you know, the, the guy that gives the State of the Union address to the New England Patriots? So they're scared, especially the young guys. I, Mike, I, my, my first two weeks there, I'm going, man, I'm, you know, working 19 hours a day and, all right, I'm going to go down and eat some lunch in the mess hall. And I'm sitting there and I got coaches coming up to me going, what are you doing? I go, I'm eating lunch. And they're like, you can eat lunch in front of the computer. And I'm like, what? Okay. And that, that's just the way it is there. Wait, you can, you can eat lunch and do work. So it's different. And that's where, I, you know, you hear me say all the time, it, it's hard work what they do there. And they outcompete a lot of other coaches. And they have a process that they believe in. And it's, it's no nonsense, no BS. It reminded me of a comment that Terrence Knighton made when he was on the program. Right. I think it was just before you arrived. Yeah, it was right after he the talked Broncos about, the Super Bowl right in there. Yeah. He he talked about playing for the Patriots and he said you get coached up every day on how to talk to the media. One time I did an interview and I gave a guy credit during the interview. I thought I was doing the right thing by boosting my teammate and saying he was going to have a great year. We get in a team meeting, uh-huh. and Bill Belichick called me out and said to me, you're not an expert, you're not a defensive line expert, we don't need you evaluating guys. That's right. So that's that's just an example of how they strip away your personality, your individuality, and you are flatline because you're afraid to say anything. And you become exactly like Belichick because how you were describing Mac Jones is exactly how people describe Belichick. Well, if you get him away from football, he's a really funny guy. Yeah, you're right. He's very colorful and engaging. It's just when he's around football, he's like that. And it sounds like he tries to systematically make that the case for everybody who plays for him and works for him. Uh, yes. And, and the beauty of it, in my opinion here, is too, and this is where you know I think there's ex-New England players who are bitter – because they don't feel like they got paid, but he squashes the hype around guys that way, right? They squash it to now where, wait, guys on the team keep talking about this player. Let me watch on film. Let me watch him. Whoa, he is good. I didn't realize that defensive tackle is so good in there. Oh, now his price tag went up $4 million next year. So that's where they're brilliant. It's squashed in all areas. You know, the, the, the guys in the front office, you know, there was a time there for a long period of time where they were going to Super Bowls and winning championships and everything else, and nobody was getting out of that front office. He doesn't let anybody talk to anybody. If he sees you talking to another front office guy before the game, it's a no-no. So, you know, from that point, it keeps everything private. He keeps everybody in the building, and he doesn't let, you know, you know hype around certain players to where it could maybe drive up the price or he'll lose a player in free agency or something like that that maybe everybody didn't know about. It's genius, really. 
From time to time on this program, you will hear Chris Sims talk about the ability of certain defensive players to F the play up. That phrase came to mind in recent days because there's a controversy in the NFL right now over whether or not Baker Mayfield recently said he wants to F the Browns up. We'll spend a little time delving into this very important question when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 